0: Friday, August 6th. And this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up iPhones to Hunt Child Porn and Tigray and Sea's UNESCO site. First, the world in brief. Apple said it will install software on its iPhones that can scan for images of child pornography. The cryptographic system will compare users' stored photos against the database of images held by America's National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Privacy activists expressed alarm about the potential surveillance of millions of users. Triumphant rebels from Ethiopia's northernmost region of Tigray captured Lalibela, the site of 13th-century Orthodox churches cut from living rock. Lalibela is a UNESCO-protected site. To seize it, the Tigrayans forayed into neighbouring Amara state, heartland of the country's historically dominant ethnic group. In their war against the national government, which started in November, the rebels' footprint is still expanding. Shares in Bukalapak soared on their first day of trading following Indonesia's biggest ever IPO. The e-commerce platform, which counts China's ant group among its backers, raised $1.5 billion through a listing of 25% of its shares. Although Bukalapak has yet to turn a profit in its 11-year history, investors think it well-placed to flourish in Southeast Asia's burgeoning online shopping market. India proposed to scrap a notorious quote, retrospective tax, which has cast a shadow over foreign investment since 2012 and created legal headaches that persist to this day. Post-facto charges against Vodafone, a telecoms giant, and Cairn, an energy firm, were supposed to have raised billions for the exchequer but India kept losing in international arbitration and then refusing to pay restitution. The Biden administration called for half of all new vehicles sold in America to be electric by 2030 in a bid to reduce carbon emissions. It is a target rather than a legal requirement. Mr Biden will also mandate that cars meet a higher miles per gallon performance than that set by the previous administration. Carmakers endorsed the pledges at the White House. Greg Abbott, the Republican governor of Texas, will convene a second special legislative session on Saturday in a third attempt to pass voting restrictions. Last month, Democratic lawmakers fled the state to deny him a quorum in the Republican-held assembly. Mr. Abbott has said the absconding Democrats will be arrested and forcibly returned to the Texas legislature when they re-enter the state. Joe Biden offered a quote safe haven to thousands of Hong Kongers residents in America, allowing them to extend their stays by 18 months. Mr. Biden's directive cited, quote, compelling foreign policy reasons, i.e. the Chinese government's crackdown on basic liberties, as the justification for the move. Other lawmakers want to make it easier for Hong Kongers to obtain refugee status in America. And fact of the day, 500,000, the number of COVID tests that have been conducted on Olympic participants, of which just 0.02% have come back positive. And now, here's today's agenda. From Rebound to Redux, America's Jobs Report. Until recently, there were two main reasons to be optimistic about America's economic recovery a decline in COVID 19 cases and an increase in jobs. The Delta variant has generated yet another wave of infections. Data today will show whether the gloom has also spread to the labour market. Economists had been optimistic forecasting that America might have added about 925,000 jobs in July, up from an already strong June. But snapshots of the private sector published this week have pointed to a slowdown in hiring, potentially a sharp one. Amid renewed concerns about the pandemic, both businesses and job seekers seem to be holding back. That would complicate matters for the Federal Reserve. As inflation heats up, several of its governors have said they would like to rein in ultra-loose monetary policy, But until the jobs market is in rude health, their counterparts arguing for patience may win the debate. History repeats itself. Myanmar in crisis. August 8th is a date seared into the Burmese psyche. It marks the height of mass protests in 1988 against military rule leading to the resignation of the dictator Sein Luin and the emergence of Aung Song Suu Kyi as a champion of democracy and the leader of the opposition. The parallels with the present moment are striking. Since the army seized power in February, almost the entire country has risen in opposition. But today's protesters surely hope they will be more successful than their predecessors. In 1988, the army put down the popular uprising within a few months. Today, attacks launched by guerrillas on military targets deny the army a complete victory. This week, ASEAN, a club of Southeast Asian nations, appointed an envoy to broker a resolution to the crisis. But that is unlikely to trouble the generals. As history shows, they will stop at nothing to remain in power. Poor Burger Lebanon and the Big Mac Index one year on from the explosion that laid waste to much of Beirut, Lebanon's economy is in a dire state. Half the country lives below the poverty line. Once reliably pegged at 1500 to the dollar, the Lebanese pound traded as low as 23000 on the black market in July. It has since rebounded to nearly 15000 still a 90% depreciation in two years. Our recently updated Big Mac Index, a guide to currencies worldwide, finds the cheapest burgers are in Lebanon. The currency has outstripped the burger's spectacular price hike. A McDonald's Big Mac costs the equivalent of only $1.68 compared with $5.65 in America, an average of prices in four big cities. One reason the burger has remained so cheap may be that Lebanese importers can purchase some of the Big Mac's ingredients at a more favourable, subsidised exchange rate. A dollar's worth of wheat can be bought for £1,500. Even so, Lebanon's currency chaos is not something to relish. Listless and languishing. India's Interest Rates A three-day bi-monthly meeting of the Monetary Policy Committee of the Reserve Bank of India concludes today. The surprise would be if the meeting, or much of the information discussed, matters at all. Recent measures of inflation have exceeded 6%, crossing the upper boundary set in Indian law requiring the RBI to respond. But the central bank's key lending rates are now less than 6%, think 4% or below, and no change is expected. The Indian economy, chronically mismanaged and now battered by waves of COVID-19 infections, is listless. The July survey of purchasing managers in the services industry by IHS Market was negative for the third month in a row, even though manufacturing grew. Rising prices, particularly in food, fuel and other commodities, have long been obvious but officials have dismissed these as one-off surprises or merely temporary and thus less pressing than the need for stimulus. Even a hint that this approach could shift would be news indeed. Footnotes Our Defence Editor on Open Source Intelligence In the past two months, a handful of young researchers with little more than a laptop and some gumption unearthed what would have once taken a fleet of spy satellites and a well-resourced intelligence agency. Decker Everleth, an undergraduate student, and Matt Corder, a researcher, used commercial satellite imagery to discover hundreds of new Chinese missile silos in the desert. In this week's cover story, Shashank Joshi, our defense editor, examines how much open source intelligence, or OSEnt, the use of publicly available information to discover secrets, is eroding states' monopoly on secrets. To get a feel for how the process works, take a look at how Bellingcat, an investigative group, and Arms Control Wonk, a blog and community that studies non-proliferation, unraveled the mystery of how a Ukrainian airliner was downed over Tehran last year, providing independent corroboration of what Western governments were saying. In this report, Jeffrey Lewis, the founder of the blog, explains how the combination of satellite imagery, computer-aided modelling and social media data has become a vital tool for studying nuclear and missile programmes. Commercial satellites can now see what the human eye cannot. Thermal and infrared images reveal uranium mines. Sign and synthetic aperture radar sees rockets through roofs. But sometimes it's not about whizzy technology. Here's how to measure a North Korean nuke using Dennis Rodman's head. Nor is it just about nukes and geopolitics. One research group shows that publicly available data on the movement of corporate jets can be used to predict mergers. Sign and acquisitions. One corner of a burgeoning field of corporate osent. All of this means that states can no longer control the flow of information as they once did. A recent paper by Eric Lynn Greenberg of Columbia University and Theo Milanopoulos of the University of Texas at Austin described here in simpler terms uses survey experiments to show that commercial satellite imagery quote can be just as influential in shaping public attitudes as information supplied by government intelligence agencies. And for some wider reflections on the promise and pitfalls of OSINT, turn to Amy Ziegart's thoughtful review of a new book by Elliot Higgins, the founder of Bellingcat. For more from Shashank, follow him on Twitter. Summer Quiz The Winners Week 3 As readers from Australia, South Africa and elsewhere have pointed out, for many on the planet, this is a winter quiz. This week we randomly picked winners from the hundreds of correct entries and are crowning one for each region that we publish in, Asia-Pacific, Europe-slash-Africa and the Americas. First, the answers. Cressida Dick was the first female commissioner of the Metropolitan Police. Athens was the ancient city whose coin depicted an owl. Twelfth Night is the date in the Christian calendar, also known as Epiphany Eve. And Othello is the board game in which players try to, quote, flip the tokens of their opponent from black to white. The theme connecting them all is The Plays of William Shakespeare. Kudos and celebrations for our knowledgeable winners. Yipeng Wang, Xi'an China. Jean-Christophe Agnesina, Milan, Italy. Rob Hamilton, London, Canada. Thank you to the Bard and everyone who joined in this week. Stay tuned for an even more tricky set of questions next week. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Theodore Adorno. The splinter in your eye is the best magnifying glass. That's it from The Economist morning briefing available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber...